text this morning is from the 27th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, verses 45 and 6. And as you turn to that um, passage of Scripture, let me tell you about the fact that I'm beginning a series tonight on servanthood, on the role of the servant in the scheme and plan of God in the church. And we'll be discussing for the next um, seven or eight weeks the real role of the Christian as a servant. I think we'll be talking about some things that will not really be that pleasant to hear, but will be at the core of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We'll, we'll start that this evening, and I hope that you can find it in your heart to be present. We use this worksheet. We, We've kind of been involved in other things on Sunday evening and haven't gotten to do that of late, but we'll start again tonight working from the worksheet that you have there in your uh, bulletin. The 27th chapter of Matthew, verses 45 and 46. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? A number of years ago, when I was pastor in Seminole, Texas, I had a man come to interview for a position on our church staff. This fellow was from Houston and he'd never been to West Texas, especially to Seminole. Now, Seminole, Texas is not your you know, basic garden spot of the Southwest. I mean, Moses um, struck the rock not too far from Seminole, Texas. It's the wilderness out there. And uh, there's sand dunes and shinry brush. And uh, he, you could just tell he was just, just wide-eyed at that, that place. It's an oil field town and uh, just really a ratty-looking place, really, just to be honest. And we were having one of our historic sandstorms the day he was there. And I was really impressed with him. And I was really hoping that he would be willing to come to our church. But I kind of was getting the idea he wasn't that excited about it and so I was kind of pumping him a little bit and I said well what do you think he said well I really like the people I've met but he said I believe this is the most God forsaken place I've ever seen in my life well needless to say we didn't get him in Seminole on the staff of First Baptist Church I suppose that you have been places that you feel are just God forsaken but what happens when when God-forsakenness is not a location, but is a personal condition, when it is not the place where you live, but the way you feel, I think that we're able to face just about anything in life as long as we know God is with us. But what happens when you feel that He isn't? When I was a child, my father would often ask me to go down to the barn and uh, 
and do an un, a forgotten errand or get something from down there. Now, that wasn't too hard of a task, but after dark, it was quite a responsibility. It was just about 150 yards from the back door of our house to the front door of the barn, but, you know, a lot of things could happen in 150 yards after dark. There could be a lot of things lurking in the darkness. And I suppose that sometime my father would sense my fear and he would say to me on occasion, why don't we just go together? Here, just a minute and I'll go with you. There are just some places that are too dark to go without the father. I think that we can walk into any kind of dark as long as we know the father's with us. But what happens when we feel that he isn't? I imagine you've been there too, haven't you? I imagine that you have been in the dark pits of despair and you felt so lonely that you could hardly stand it. You felt God forsaken. Jesus is experiencing it. For six hours he's hung on that cross in shameful agony. The last three hours, it has been midnight. It's dark at noonday. And R.G. Lee said, God threw a funeral pall over over the earth and he clothed the sun in mourner's dress. And that midday blackness was so terrific that when Diogenes down in Egypt saw the solar eclipse, he exclaimed, Deity must be suffering now, or he's sympathetic with one who is. And then it got quiet. It was silent. Angels sang when Jesus was born, but where is the music now? And out of the pain of that life without music came this awful cry, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And have you ever noticed that this is the, one of the rare, very rare times when the original language is brought over into the English text? And have you ever wondered why? I think I understand why. I think it is brought over into the English text and is there translated into English because he wants us to catch the pathos of that hour. There's something moving about somebody praying in his own native tongue. And I'm always impressed on those International Sundays when international students stand in this pulpit and pray in their own language, their own tongue. And so in the darkness of life without music, he screamed, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that bother you? Do you uh, join those who have tried to explain away what Jesus did by saying he's probably speaking in behalf of those who are gathered at the foot of the cross? I don't think so. I think he spoke for himself. I think he felt God forsaken. And as hard and harsh a feeling as that is for us, just think how much more difficult it was for him. For there's always been something that has stood between us and God. Our sin has always been there to rupture our relationship, but not so Jesus. Not absolutely nothing stood between him and the Father. 
And in the ninth chapter of Mark, we, hear, we read that God split heaven to say, This is my beloved Son, hear ye Him. And Jesus told His friends that He and the Father were one. Fifty times He declared absolute unity with the Father. Just a little way back, He prayed, Father, make them one as we are one. Never in His earthly ministry was Jesus ever conscious of the absence of God. But now He is. He feels desperately forsaken and alone, abandoned by God. So that if you have ever felt the awful burden and the awesome fear and loneliness of separation from God, just know that Jesus has felt it too. Now what does this cry mean? My God, why have you forsaken me? What's involved in that cry? Well, I think it means in the first place that Jesus is perfectly identifying with our temptations, our loneliness, our despair. Hebrews chapter 4 says that He was in all points tempted as we are and yet without sin. Have you ever felt lonely? Well, He's felt that too. For never in the history of man has there ever been one more lonely and misunderstood than Jesus. Have you ever felt mistreated and neglected and abused? He's felt that too. For never in the history of mankind has there ever been a situation where wrong was more on the throne. He felt all the despair that you and I will ever feel. He felt cut off from God. He felt the pain of having God turn His back on Him. And why? Well, because He wanted to identify with us perfectly in our suffering. There's a kind of fellowship between, two, between people who, have, who share a common suffering. When somebody can say, I have been there, there's kind of a fellowship and a kind of a comfort in that. And so Jesus comes to us not as the holy other God attached and apart. He comes to us to say, whatever you've experienced, I've been there. In the days of slavery, out of those terrible times that slavery brought, has come some of the greatest hymns that we have ever sung, immortal hymns. And those black people would get together in their slavery and they would weave and they would sing, Nobody Knows the Trouble I've Seen. But He has, Jesus has. It doesn't matter what the circumstances that constitute the walls of the pit of your despair, you can take heart in the fact that our Lord knows exactly what you feel. Not only was He identifying with us in our suffering, He was suffering what was necessary for our sin. Um, I don't think the folks who stood around the cross there really understood the seriousness of their sin. Jesus said that Himself. 
Just like most of you do not know that sin is the most deadly, dread, dreaded disease that could ever come to one. I was out visiting not long ago. I was witnessing to a lost man. And I was trying to help him to come to know Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. And he was totally apathetic to it. I mean, he was bored. And he was just kind of twisting and squirming on his chair. And finally, he just interrupted me and said, All right, I'll start the church. And I wanted just to kind of get him by the lapels and look him right in the eye and say, Do you think that your sin is so minor that it could just be brushed away by getting started to church? It's a little more serious than that. That's like saying, I raped a girl, but I'll send her flowers. It's like saying, I'm blind, but I'll wear thick glasses. I have leprosy, but I'll use talcum powder. I have cancer, but I'll brush my teeth. It's like someone saying, well, it's fine, Jesus, for you to die if that's your bag. But as far as I'm concerned, it really wasn't necessary. Well, it was and is. What Jesus was doing on the cross is what was necessary to forgive sin. It's so terrible and deadly and disastrous. And involved in that cry, my God, is the suffering that is necessary for sin. In fact, He was suffering hell for us. Now I could write volumes this morning about what I do not know about hell. But there is one thing I do think I know about hell, and that is, it is the place where God is not. And there is nothing more terrible than that. The fact that God abandons them. He gives them up, said Paul, to their reprobate mind. He turns his back on the damned. There's nothing more terrible than that. That's what Jesus experienced. He suffered hell for us. That's what Luther believed. It's what Calvin taught. It's what Carroll, the founder of Southwestern Seminary, was writing about when he said, Unquestionably, the soul of Jesus entered into hell while His body hung on the cross. He died a spiritual death, which is separation from God when He cried, My God, why have you forsaken me? And Luther wrote it like this, in the six hours that preceded this awful cry, Jesus endured the damned suffering. Now, I uh, occasionally I hear people say, you know, and talk about how they've tried to find God and how they try to get to God, how they try to know God. Just the opposite is true. All your days, God has been trying to get to you. All your life, God has been reaching out to you. How far is He willing to come? All the way to hell and the outer edge of despair. That's what He's willing to do to find you. And just as always, 
when we deal with these things that concern God Almighty, this is a theological mystery that really has no explanation. When Jesus cried, My God, why have you forsaken me? In essence, God was turning His back upon Himself. He was abandoning Himself. He was losing Himself in order to win back a right relationship with us. And so on that cross, Jesus endured the torment of the damned in order that you and I would never have to. But not only is He suffering in order to identify with us, and not only is He suffering what is necessary for salvation, this cry means finally that He is giving us an example of how to come out of despair into victory. I imagine that, that when you and I feel God forsaken, that we are prone to ask others why we are God forsaken, not Jesus. He directs this question directly to the Father in whom He has never lost confidence and trust. In the dark night of His despair, and some of you have gone through it and are now passing through it, in the dark night of His despair and God-forsakenness, He never lost faith in the Father. And so we hear Him say later, Father, into Thy hands I commend My spirit. You know what that was? That was every little Jewish boy's goodnight prayer. Did you grow up learning, um, Now I lay me down to sleep? I did. Wish I'd have never learned that prayer. Because every time, you know, Mother would get with, down on her knees by my bed with me when I was a little boy, and we'd say that prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. And I went to bed thinking, what if I do die? You know, I didn't think much, I didn't remember much about that prayer except that one word, die. If I should die, then I'd go to sleep with wide eyes. You know, go to bed with a wide eyes, saying, man, you know, there is that possibility. You know, but it was a good night prayer that we learned to pray. Every little Jewish boy went to bed every night saying this prayer, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Now in the dark night of his despair, forsaken of God, enduring the torment of the damned, he never lost faith in his Father, but he went to sleep on the cross saying this prayer, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Now if Jesus only endured suffering for us that he might identify, it would be a small victory, but he endured the suffering in order that he might show us that there is a way out of suffering, there is a way out of despair. You don't have to stay there. You may be in the pit of despair, but you don't have to stay there. 
You may feel God forsaken, but you don't have to keep on feeling that. There is a way to come all the way through despair to victory. And that way is to keep faith in the Father. George Frederick Handel is a name that you know and, and have heard, I'm sure. This man um, in Great Britain was famous and popular. He, he played before royalty. He received the applause of men. But because of professional jealousy, his career came to a screeching halt. He lost everything. He, he lost every penny he had. He, he was a penniless man. He suffered a stroke that left him partially paralyzed on his right side. And he wandered the streets of London, and those who heard him and saw him would hear him say, My God, why have you forsaken me? And one day he returned to his little uh, flat in London, and he found a bundle of papers lying at his door. A man had come and had left some, some words to be put to music. And he was excited about it. George Frederick Handel got into the writing, putting to music those words. And he was so engrossed by it, he spent 17 endless hours in writing before, without ever breaking from it. He said, when the hallelujah chorus broke upon my mind, I thought I did see the Lord seated on the throne. And he came out of that flat with the words to the Messiah and the music. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The kingdom of this world is become the kingdom of our Lord Christ, and He shall reign forever and forever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. King of kings and Lord of lords, He shall reign forever and forever. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And He came all the way from despair to victory. What if this morning God forsakenness is not where you live but how you feel? What if you feel so lonely you feel, feel abandoned by God? Then I lift up to you this morning the Lord God who reigns and He can bring you out of despair to triumph and to victory because he knows how would you bow your heads with me our Savior is a wonderful Savior. A high priest who was tempted in every way, who experienced everything we will ever experience, just in order
that he might be all we need him to be. Have you yet trusted him? Are you though one of those who has just been in the pit of despair? Would you look to him who endured the cross despising the shame? the author and finisher of faith? Would you respond to Him this morning and to the prompting of His Spirit to your heart? Would you trust Him for salvation? Would you lean upon Him for your need? Would you respond publicly if God so impresses your heart? And after we've prayed, we'll give invitation for church membership, for salvation, for rededication of life. Father, I thank you that Jesus died the death I deserved. I thank you that he went through the torment of the damned in order that I would never. I thank you that He is everything that any of us needs. Sufficient, adequate Savior. And I pray for this very moment of decision that the decision we make here today might be worthy of His sacrifice and might please You, our Father, who has not abandoned us, but who is so much involved in our life that your very Son is a part of it. And I pray that before we leave today, each of us shall have made that decision you have asked of us. In Jesus' name.